Hello and welcome to today's Live on Web programming, Plugging into an Electric Future. I'm Dan Ronan, Associate News Editor here at Transport Topics. In this show, we'll be examining the emergence of electric-powered trucks in their place in the transportation industry. All of the major truck manufacturers are investing in electrification, and so are a number of startups and newcomers to the trucking industry. But how soon will these fleets be willing to deploy these electric vehicles, and what opportunities and challenges lie ahead? To help answer these questions, we're pleased to welcome Keith Brandis, the Vice President of Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America. Also joining the conversation today is Seth Clevenger, my colleague at Transport Topics, Managing Editor for Features. And as we get into this discussion, we also invite you to participate in today's programming by emailing your suggestions or comments to share at ttnews.com. Again, that's share at ttnews.com. Keith, we've seen a lot of activity in this year in the development of electric trucks, including some big announcements from Volvo that they're going to be getting into this shortly. We're still very much in the early stages of this move towards electrification. So I'd like to ask you right now, why are the trucking companies and what should we be paying attention to now? I think the trucking industry has always been forward-leaning, looking for improvements as well as advantages in terms of safety, efficiency, productivity. And we're seeing big trends in terms of connectivity, uh, automation, and of course, electromobility. Electro and uh, our customers and the, and the trucking owners and decision makers are trying to wrestle with, should they be on the leading edge or wait until this is more mature before they jump into this? Because it could be disruptive for their business model. Okay, sure. Seth, you're sort of our expert on this in terms of following this and reporting on this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, you know, we've certainly seen a, a lot of major developments over the past couple of years in this move toward commercial vehicle electrification. So I do think it would be helpful to take a moment to look back at what's transpired. So just a few years ago, this was something that still seemed fairly futuristic, but now we're beginning to see the first wave of medium and heavy-duty electric trucks, many of which are expected to become commercially available within the next few years. Some of these vehicles are being developed by new players in this industry. Nikola Motor Company was the first out of the gates with its Class 8 hydrogen electric sleeper model in late 2016. The company also has introduced a day cab version and a cab over for the European market. Electric car maker Tesla also jumped into the commercial truck segment when CEO Elon Musk unveiled the battery electric Tesla Semi in late 2017. And Thor Trucks, another startup, also plans to begin producing battery electric Class 8 trucks. But this isn't just for startups. The established truck OEMs are all investing in electrification as well. In June, Freightliner unveiled battery electric versions of its heavy-duty Cascadia and medium-duty M2 models, with series production targeted for 2021. Penske Truck Leasing and NFI will soon begin testing those vehicles in freight operations. Kenworth has demonstrated electric-powered prototypes based on its T680 model. One of those trucks is equipped with hydrogen fuel cell technology, while another uses a hybrid system that combines battery electric propulsion with a natural gas engine to extend the vehicle's range. Also this year, Peterbilt introduced all-electric versions of its Model 579 tractor and Model 520 refuse truck. Navistar has announced plans to introduce a Class 6 and 7 electric model based on the International MV series as its first entry in this emerging segment. Meanwhile, Mack will supply a fully electric refuse truck to the New York City Department of Sanitation for testing in 2019. And Volvo Trucks announced that it will begin deploying all-electric trucks in California next year with plans to commercialize them across North America in 2020. So just last week at a media roundtable here in Washington, Peter Verhoeve, uh, the new president of Volvo Trucks North America, revealed that those trucks will be electric versions of Volvo's VNR model. So needless to say, there's really been a ton of activity. 
And for an industry that right now is in the very early stages, you said, there's a lot going on. And so, Keith, speaking of Volvo, let's get your take on this in terms of what is the path to electrification? How do you see electric trucks working their way into the real-world freight market? Where is this going to go? You're right that uh, we're at the early stages of this, and the recent award of the LIGHTS Low Impact Green Heavy Transport Solution is a way for us to work with customers, with the entire ecosystem of charging, uh, the infrastructure, as well as technician training, servicing of the trucks, uh, from point to point so that we can get the hard data that I think business owners demand in terms of will this have a payback for that customer. It's really not just about the trucks, it's all about how do you run the trucks, how do you actually put them into operation, how do you charge them, how do you work on them, uh, all these concerns that are quite new, right, with an electric vehicle. Exactly. We don't have the answers completely today, but what we have seen from our experience in uh, running buses and medium-duty trucks in other world markets is that it takes a while for you to have the whole ecosystem in place. You know, you have to work with your utility company. You have to have right. maybe a transformer upgrade. You have to have a dedicated bay to put a charging station. All of these pieces before you actually deliver the truck into, into revenue service. And of course, in a project like Lights where we have um, the, the regulatory funding mechanism and cost share, uh, they're looking to make a zero emissions footprint. How can we look from point to point the entire operation, including forklifts, uh, yard jockeys, as well as the truck operations? Sure. Keith, your company right now is involved with two carriers, NFI and also Dependable Highway Express. Tell us more about operating these trucks in these first VNR electric models. What has been the success? What have you found so far? So the forward-thinking companies that we've selected have agreed to partner with us and uh, put in place these investments. They are putting their dollars uh, in uh, the facility upgrades, the, putting the charging system on their lot, and uh, working with the dedicated uh, operations so that we can run uh, in a specific lane of traffic and make sure that we can get as many turns that we, as possible during the day. As you know, it's, traffic is quite a concern in, in the LA Basin. Um, but also we're measuring beforehand and afterwards the emissions reductions as well as the productivity gains. So you're going to be looking at all of the data. How long of a process are we talking about for this particular project? So the first eight trucks start into a service next year. They will be demonstrators that uh, Volvo will continue to have ownership and therefore we will have field service engineers living with these trucks to make sure that we have uh, them operating correctly. And uh, we're going to learn from that early data in terms of how do we make sure that there are no faults, that uh, we have parts on hand, that, and of course the charging uh, duty cycle. Um, how many shifts can we run a day before the trucks need to stop and be recharged? Uh, the point is that uh, we will put in 58 chargers across the uh, uh, Southern California area. Uh, we may have also mobile chargers in case, but we would like to have the trucks return to base and then have a planned charging time for the trucks. Sure. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the types of freight they'll be moving, the types of applications these, these trucks, these, these first trucks will be operating in? So the first applications will be mainly drayage between the port as well as their distribution, and then we'd like to branch out into other types of pickup and delivery inside the uh, city environment. Okay. And there's been, there's been a lot of concern in this particular area, both in Long Beach and Los Angeles, because of air quality concerns. They have some particular, very specific requirements, and this from my conversations with the officials down there, they're very excited about this. 
they've been uh, very proactive in, uh, in selecting a number of, of uh, uh, bidders to this $200 million that they had through the cap-and-trade program, and Volvo Trucks, thankfully, is one of the awardees of, of, the, of a bid. And uh, the point is, how do we make the complete emissions footprint uh, analysis before and after the implementation? And so we were also planning to install solar panels for solar harvesting, uh, again, across the entire uh, uh, you know, operation and life cycle of uh, these eight demonstrators. And then we will follow up with 15 pre-commercial units for rental and leasing. Is this something, Keith, that you see if it's successful at one location where this is, test is going to be going on, that we could see this moving into other places, other ports, other facilities, Savannah, Baltimore, New York, New Jersey, other places that may not have the air quality concerns that Long Beach and Los Angeles have down in Southern California, but have their own environmental issues and want to stay ahead of the game? I think that is the most difficult question for us as a manufacturer, as well as the uh, um, various partners of charging systems uh, and uh, battery suppliers and the like, is where is it going to move next? Is it within a certain geographical area? Is it a certain application? Uh, we've got a big country and uh, many different metropolitan areas that you could jump around, but does it make sense uh, to go you know, completely across country and like you said, some of these other locales, unless they have the right regulatory environment and, and have incentives, because we're talking about a significant capital investment, not only for the trucks, but also for the infrastructure. And then we want to add um, public charging stations as well. Right now, we will start with a private uh, customer-owned from point to point, but we'll need to have an infrastructure rollout plan. Yeah. And, you're gonna, and you're gonna be acquiring a lot of data about the range, which I, I would imagine that has to be one of your biggest concerns of how many hours a day can this vehicle be operating before it has to be charged? What type of revenue generation does it make in terms of, because a truck, like anything else, if it's sitting, it's not generating revenue. Yes. I think from a Volvo truck standpoint, the experience that we've had in uh, medium duty buses and in other markets, uh, we learned that these bus, uh, that these batteries packs, for example, um, you want to make sure that they start off fully charged, of course, and then we have an actual cluster display to let the driver know what the range remaining is. Like a fuel gauge. Like a fuel gauge, yes. That, and, and we will have regenerative braking. So as you go in a city environment and you have frequent stop and goes, you'll actually be able to so-called recharge the batteries slightly on the route. So we don't know the, the specifics of the range yet, but what we're planning on is, is, as you said, gathering enough data so that we can plan and inform the driver as well as the dispatcher what would be a typical operation and maybe how they can extend it uh, in, a, in a wise manner. So it's so. safe to say that the industry is in a learning phase then in this, in this particular point of view, and there's a lot that the manufacturers and others are going to be following and following up on as they get this data and begin to understand just how this all works. Exactly. I mean, something as simple as the, the charging port on the vehicle. And the, and the type of connector that you use. It may seem simple, but cars and trucks are not aligned today. Mm -hmm. There's not an industry standard, although we're proposing certain standards. And you can have either AC or DC charging. So we could have high voltage quick charging through DC, or you could have overnight or longer you know, trickle charge through AC. So we're working with through all those particular questions right now to try to find the right balance for that customer use. Just think of and, and uh, Seth, uh, jump in here. Just think of how long it's taken to get 
some sort of consistency when it comes to something simple like a phone charger, that every time you go through a new model of a phone charger, we end up with a new type of charging port. Yeah, certainly a lot of um, learning that has to be done by everybody. You know, certainly the fleets, you know, this is all new to them. But uh, even the manufacturers, suppliers, infrastructure, uh, charging infrastructure um, uh, suppliers, this is all going to be new. This is all something that uh, we all as an industry have to come together and, and learn about to, to make it work in, in our industry. And I, you know, just to, as we start to look ahead to how this will really roll out, uh, I, I think it is helpful to think about what applications could be uh, good opportunities for electric trucks in the relative near term, which ones are more difficult. Uh, certainly long hauls is the biggest challenge for these, these types of vehicles. You know, you, you think about the, the added weight of the batteries and, the, and cutting into you know, payload capacity. Uh, you think about the vehicle's range. There's lots of issues like that, but then you consider the oppor opportunities for more sort of back home at night operations where the vehicle is, is charging at the end of the shift. Um, you know, actually, I had a chance to um, uh, test drive uh, uh, the Volvo FL Electric uh, in Europe uh, this, this past summer in Sweden. And you know, that vehicle is uh, for you know, basically a box truck application as well as, as refuse. So these are local city uh, urban uh, distribution types of applications. And those are, those are kind of the, the low-hanging fruit, I think, for, for battery electric. Uh, then there's also a lot of interest, of, of course, in port drayage, as we've been discussing. So, uh, Keith, I want to ask you, what do you see as sort of the, the range of opportunities in the near term for battery electric trucks, and what will it take to transition from there to maybe more regional and perhaps even someday long haul uh, for this type of technology? Uh, when we talk about range, uh, I think it's going to be important that the customer weighs the additional weight and cost. Uh, that's needed to add sufficient energy, which we in turn talk about battery packs. Uh, and as you add more battery packs, you need more wheelbase. You, um, you make it uh, less capable in terms of payload. So uh, there is a big trade-off, and I think uh, you know, long haul is probably more difficult and, and, and uh, will take some time before we get the breakthroughs in battery technology. But what's impressive is if you look at in the last couple of years, the performance of batteries have actually doubled. So we're getting more power output, uh, we're getting better longer life from, from the batteries themselves, as well as the cost as they're industrialized and, and that continues to come down. So I think the initial conversations that we're having with many trucking companies is that they want to know when is it going to be ready for my application, for right. my use. And then you have to get specifically, okay, are you a food uh, grocery hauler, are, are you, you know, drive bulk, what areas of the country do you, do you run in, what type of terrain. I mean, we're not ready to go into very cold climates because that affects battery performance, nor are we ready to bake in the Arizona sun yet. But I think, I think this is where we're going to have to have that type of sales approach with each and every customer to understand, could it fit in one of your runs mm -hmm. and not make the customer uh, forced to in certain compromises where the truck is no longer flexible. That's one of the great things with diesel-powered trucks today. It's completely flexible. Right. If you need to change a route today or a driver needs to go and pick up a different load, it's available today. Yeah, you can find fueling and it's, uh, it can go anywhere you want to go. But yeah, when you look at electric, certainly a lot of in-depth consulting for your fleet customers moving forward as you think about how they will look at learning and then, and then rolling out these, these vehicles in the future. Yes, exactly.
As a reminder, you're watching Live on Webs, looking at plugging into an electric future. As we continue, we invite you to participate in the show. You can always email your questions or comments to share at ttnews.com. That's again, share at ttnews.com, and we will do our best to address them during the program. Again, that's share at ttnews.com. Seth, when do you think we can expect to see electric trucks appear, and what type of operations will at least initially make sense? Yeah, I think like we discussed, uh, urban distribution is, is a good opportunity, uh, pickup and delivery, uh, port drayage is an attractive opportunity, uh, where the, especially when the vehicle is, is back at a, at a home terminal to recharge, uh, and that uh, lessens the, the concerns and the challenges with the charging infrastructure. Uh, Keith, do you generally agree with that uh, take? Yes, and, and uh, you might ask, well, who's going to step up and put in this public infrastructure, right? Is it going to be the truck stops? Uh, are they going to be some of the early movers, or do we need to have uh, some sort of government-sponsored? I mean, all of these things uh, we forget took many, many years in the diesel fueling right. uh, system, and I think helped quite a bit by the fact that many pickup trucks and light duty also have uh, yep. you know, diesel engines today. So, so it's going to be a, a long time before we actually see a, a public rollout of this. But I would say that um, we are getting pressure and, and we know that, that we talk about running or charging at night, but a lot of cities are looking at the noise footprint of trucks mm -hmm. operating at night. And could you be more productive? Um, some cities in Europe are actually banning trucks from certain hours of operation. Uh, also, they're concerned about internal combustion engines uh, and their contribution uh, in, in that and congestion. So we may see certain bans or, or, or incentives, if you will, to have electric trucks working quietly at night. The yeah. noise point that you make out is a, is a great point. There's nothing like being woken up at 3 o'clock in the morning in a big city hotel hearing a truck going down an alley or, or a truck, you catch the noise from the engine or the backing up as the truck goes into reverse as well. So again, noise certainly would be a concern. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the takeaways I took from the, uh, the Sweden test drive. Uh, you know, it's amazing how silently the vehicle runs. And even, you know, you stand there and, and the vehicle's moving, you know, several meters away, it's, you, you barely hear it. It's just amazing how, how quietly, you know, it operates. And it's a, it's a different feel. And yeah, you think about, you know, especially that, uh, you know, trash uh, pickup, type of application you know, really could help to, to cut down on some of the noise. I, I, I noticed that a couple of weeks ago when I was able to drive a refuse truck, electric truck in, uh, in Europe, that we may have to think about the sound that the driver hears uh, because I, I didn't hear a motor. Instead, I heard the front springs moving. I heard other uh, you know, air conditioning cutting on and off, sounds that I would never have noticed in a typical <laughs> truck. Uh, now you pick up on, and, and does that mean that the driver behaves differently uh, because the vehicle actually has a significant torque? It accelerates quite right. quickly, and you don't realize how fast you're getting up to speed. You're not hearing the engine then starting to do its work as it gets to a higher level of RPM, then, is what you're saying. Exactly, and, and as you know, we tend to drive based on our habits. We listen to the sounds, the feel, and everything else. is completely different with electric vehicle. Yeah. Learning experience for drivers as well. Let's change the topic a little bit. Uh, there's a push in California. We want to talk about incentives at Long Beach and Los Angeles, as we talked about for zero emission. Are government incentives going to be a key factor in this in terms of helping and rolling out the electric trucks, do you think? Initially, we're going to need uh, some incentives to offset the high capital mm -hmm. costs, as well as, I think, policies to be uh, proactive. 
you know, every engine that we produce today, we have to get a certificate. And we were really concerned about the EPA shutting down the budget. Thank goodness we got our certificate for 2019. But that changes now for electric vehicles. There's not the, the same certificate that you get from the government uh, that, that you have to meet. So we're working through those policy issues to try to set certain standards, but also to say how do we, uh, as a manufacturer, stand behind it. There's going to be lots of questions about what type of warranty uh, that will be included with the truck. Uh, many of these things that uh, uh, we think means that we need to have a very strong cooperative uh, uh, work with the various authorities uh, in going forward. You know, one of the, uh, I think that the regulators do need to perhaps catch up to this a little bit, you know, new vehicle type and, and some of the, the rules as written aren't really written with EVs in mind right. in, for the commercial truck space. Uh, even something as simple as an ELD is now required, um, you know, maybe not as much for a, a local delivery truck, but uh, if you do have a, an application where you need an ALD, uh, you know, the rule as written uh, it, it states uh, the ELD has to be uh, synchronized with the engine. Yes. Well, uh, the EV no longer has an internal combustion engine, so maybe there's a little guidance that we need to get from, from regulators on exactly how that, that will work moving forward. Yes, and they've agreed to give us an exemption during the test period so okay. that uh, uh, we will be able to install an electronic uh, log device uh, based on the um, uh, vehicle motion, but as you said, there comes a question about what if the driver is sitting there and the vehicle is not on, it's not in motion, so <laughs> we'll right. have to work through those particulars. But we will also uh, add to our vehicles the telematics gateway so that mm -hmm. we can retrieve and have um, um, immediate information in terms not only where the vehicle is, but how it's operating, its performance, uh, as well as software updates that we want to push over the air. Yeah. An interesting story I saw the other day, and I wanted to bring this up because it relates to the, the issue of electric vehicles, and it concerns the amount of electricity the country is going to have to generate into 2035 and 2040, and, and that, the, you know, the middle part of the century. So we're talking a significant increase that we're going to have to make to accommodate electric vehicles. Now we're taking out the tailpipe emissions be with the, the cleaner running vehicles, with the zero emission vehicles, but we are increasing the amount of electricity we generate. If it's not made from renewables, are we offsetting the amount of tailpipe emissions that we remove by the amount of energy that's going to be needed to create the electricity to run the zero emission vehicles? I, I thought about this the other day and, and did some research on my own. Um, in terms of how states generate their electricity. Mm -hmm. And it varies considerably. You have some states that are heavy coal users. Uh, they're heavy coal producers, by the way, and then others that use either a mixture of gas or nuclear or, nuclear or, or even solar. Uh, and, and this also is, you know, is state-specific in terms of the utility pricing. Mm -hmm. They set the rates inside of the state. They have different methods of generating power and they have different methods of pricing power. They, they may also have citizens' mm -hmm. utility boards that are involved in setting rates or public service commissions. Yes. So when we meet with utilities, and we have met with a couple so far, um, to get an idea of how this may affect, like you said, the rollout nationwide, what they tell us is it really depends on the facility. Do they have enough capacity already installed in coming into that, let's say, terminal or, or garage, wherever the truck's going to be domiciled? Um, maybe they need to come in and upgrade the, the transformer. You know, most uh, um, loading docks and, and facilities that you're thinking about are only a couple hundred kilowatts, three or four hundred kilowatts. But now we're talking about drawing one megawatt of power to charge a couple of trucks at once. So, so they will have to do a site-by-site -site inspection and maybe some upgrades, which you know takes permitting, takes some time, 
in order to accomplish, which is why you need to look at the complete end-to-end uh, -end for this system. It, it's just not a plug-and-play of electric mm -hmm. trucks to where diesel power trucks are, are used today. And even coordinating, you know, the timing of charging could be very important to avoid, you know, peak, you know, demand charges. Yes. So there's a lot of coordination. It's not just, uh, you know, plug-and-go. It's, it's, you know, if you, especially once you have a fleet, a, a small fleet of electric vehicles, and perhaps charging, you know, potentially at the same time, maybe you want to find a way to, to, to time it so that you, you minimize your charge and minimize your cost, and uh, that may be an essential part of, of making it, you know, the business case feasible. Very, very much so, because it also affects your cost of electricity mm -hmm. if you can uh, charge during off-peak hours. One thing I hadn't thought about is standby power. What happens when you lose power? You know, I'm from North Carolina, and we had two hurricanes come through, and we lost power for days. Uh, so most uh, facilities only have the minimum amount to run lights, maybe computer systems for some hours or day or whatever, you know. But now you're going to have to have enough to charge trucks. Yeah, that's, that's right. A couple of months ago, I was down in Atlanta uh, at the opening of a brand new UPS's uh, warehouse facility on the west side of Atlanta over by Charlie Brown Airport and over by Six Flags. And one of the things I saw over there was that UPS, in building this new facility, has put electronic charging ports in the facility already. Do you see these type of facilities as companies update their, their yards and their facilities thinking, you know what, we need to start laying in heavier cable or, to your point, backup power generation or solar panels or something so they can at least start to get into the game? I think uh, you're right. When you have a green field and a completely new operation, and uh, you should be considering the uh, the growth that's going to be required in the next five to ten years, and and certainly uh, light duty, they could already begin putting uh, in, in their light duty fleet. You know, there's mm -hmm. a choice of EV vehicles there, uh, but also when it comes to the heavy duty trucks, uh, you will need to have enough capacity, and uh, and dedicated uh, lines for that. Sure. As a reminder, you're watching live on web the look at plugging into the electric future. We're joined by Keith Brandis. He is a vice president at Volvo at Product Planning for Volvo Trucks North America. And we invite you to participate in the show. You can email your questions or comments to share at ttnews.com, and we will do our best to address them during the program at share at ttnews.com. Keith, in our, our last segment here, as we look at this, a lot of things going on. Are the companies themselves starting to, as Volvo is doing, are they starting to, when you talk to uh, companies, are they starting to look at this? Is this something that is on their radar or is this issue still, you know, diesel's here, we know what we've got. Are we, are we to the point where the planning folks are starting to think about this? So diesel is king and will continue to be for many years. I mean, there's uh, really no other fuel that has the energy efficiency and flexibility and availability uh, that it has in the majority of the fleet service. Uh, we don't have to go talk to customers. They're asking to come talk to us. They want to visit uh, Volvo Trucks and uh, inquire about how are we preparing for the future. And uh, I'm really pleased that we can talk about not only electromobility, electro but also automation mm. and uh, connectivity. Uh, these are all powerful trends that I think can shape the future of not only the truck technology, but also how they can optimize it inside of their business. And, and as we know, we're all squeezing to get as, as much efficiency and, and productivity as possible. And these are possible tools, I think, and responsible tools, right, that, that we have to society to try to be sustainable going forward. You know, uh, one big cost, one big variable for operating any commercial truck, of course, is vehicle maintenance. Yes. And it's really fascinating to think about how 
maintaining the vehicle will change when you move from a traditional diesel truck to an electric truck. And you, you think about first the opportunities when you remove all the diesel uh, emission control systems that are required now for modern diesel engines, you know, the SCR and DPFs and, and EGR and all these, these systems that uh, reduce emissions but can also fail and can add expense to the vehicle and uh, potentially result in, in more uh, you know, maintenance cost and, and downtime. And you see the, you know, the possibility if you remove that for a, just a simpler system, you know, in theory, but at the same time you're also moving from a diesel technology that's well understood, that's been refined over decades, to something that's still very new in this trucking environment. Uh, Keith, what are your thoughts on just what we can expect to see, broadly speaking, on, in terms of vehicle maintenance? And yes, it's a big learning experience, but uh, do you see opportunity to, to improve and maybe lessen vehicle maintenance costs with EVs? It will change a lot, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it's more than just the oil changes and right. uh, the mechanical parts that are breaking. Um, you will have, and, and we require to have technician training, and uh, we're working with uh, the local communi community colleges to put together a specific course for technician training on the EV trucks that are being running mm -hmm. in the lights project. Uh, we don't want uh, anyone, uh, in terms of safety, uh, working on a 600-volt truck. I mean, that's quite different in your shop. Um, but I think what will help us a lot is we're moving some of the mechanical operating parts and going to the, the electric motors and, and electric drives. Um, we will have, I think, an opportunity to refine the software mm. based on the customer use. And, um, and the, really the accelerator pedal becomes how fast that you want to go in terms of road speed. And then we're controlling all the other parts behind the scenes. Oh. Right? So um, uh, this is going to be a huge leap in terms of software development as well as the connectivity back to our uptime center so that we're able to see what is the wear, the operating use, and the overall life cycle. Is this going to be a transition, in, and I think of this from a, an airline pilot's type of uh, situation, where the way they drive the vehicle, now you get the feedback, and previously before they went to the electronic flight controls, when you push the throttle forward, you would actually be pushing you know, a mechanical device that accelerates the engine. Now with it being the computer, you're not getting quite that same feedback. Are we, in terms of driver training, are we gonna have the same type of training that they're going to need to go to? You spoke about that a little while ago in terms of you know, you're not quite feeling that mechanical feel when you hit the, when you hit the accelerator or the brake. Yes, it, it does change slightly, I think, the, your, your way of driving. Um, if you've driven a golf cart, you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, that's <laughs> how an electric vehicle kind of reacts. You step on the accelerator, you don't mod modulate it, do you? you? You step all the way to the floor, yeah. and then you take your foot off, and it starts to break. Yeah. So I think it will take um, just a short period for drivers to get used to this. Yeah. Um, they could take advantage of it because mm -hmm. I know that inside the yard, uh, electric yard jockeys, uh, they're able to get around and actually uh, maneuver quicker. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're going to see as this, as this starts to get on the road and we get more experience with it, uh, how do we tune on the, on the manufacturer side? How do we turn, tune the software to the, how the vehicle performance uh, is aligned with the customer's expectations, the driver experience factor uh, to make sure that this is a safe and productive vehicle? What about added weight? That is a, a significant challenge for us because as you want to extend range, then you add more battery capacity and therefore the size and the additional number of batteries increases. 
So it's then a trade-off. Do you want to operate less than 200 miles? Well, we'll optimize around that packaging. If you want to go more than that, well, you can imagine that it, it's not linear, but it is a, a stepwise increase in terms of the number of battery packs that are needed in order to add range. So I think there's going to be a, a sweet spot until the battery technology goes through its next generation. And we're already planning for the next steps of, uh, uh, like I said, increased performance and, uh, and, and more life out of the batteries themselves so that we don't have to automatically increase weight uh, dramatically. Well, we've been on the air. We've been starting to get some vehicle, uh, starting to get some uh, viewer feedback and uh, got a couple of questions that have come in. Uh, from Wick Smetman, he works at uh, Work Truck Solutions. How do you think uh, that the aftermarket part business will be affected in the future? And uh, he wants to know about aftermarket parts and how that's going to be affected. In terms of uh, aftermarket, we will have to babysit these initial trucks and have um, as, as much preposition of the parts themselves uh, because the supply chain is not mature yet. Uh, this is not where you can go to your local WD, right, uh, or, or the supplier directly and, and purchase this uh, beyond the, the, the Volvo truck dealership. So uh, we will make sure that we have from our, our parts distribution network adequate supply at the dealer locations. And remember, the same level of change is happening at our dealership. Our dealer is having to go and train technicians. Our dealer is having to go and add uh, the expert in terms of staffing for these parts on the shelf uh, and knowing which parts uh, should be replaced. I have another question that came in, and this is to both of you, uh, from Christopher Swerth of Fairfield Auto and Truck Service. He writes, is repairability and after an accident being taken into consideration for these vehicles, will additional precautions you mentioned uh, for welding on the vehicle be necessary? And he says, will electric hybrid vehicles use hydrogen and other natural gases needed to be defueled to be worked on in hot shops like collision repair or fabrication shops? Again, gets back to that issue yeah, of collision repair the for electric trucks. Yes, yes that's, that's so a new frontier as well, right? It is a new frontier. And two things, we will have instructions in terms of how to uh, uh, make the vehicle safe before you start any kind of repair operations and what are the steps that the technician has to go through. But in addition to that, we're actually installing the safety cage around the batteries themselves in, so okay. to protect them from accidents. Okay. And one of the one of the, one of the areas we want to get into before we let you go, and that concerns uh, different type of fuel technologies. It's not only the issue of plug-ins, but there's other technologies out there as well. Hybrids are certainly some, one area that's, that's a lot of discussion about, and also hydrogen fuel cell technologies. Uh, care to address either one of those? Yes, so we've worked with um, various technologies and alternate fuels for a number of years, and we've had uh, uh, engineering tests to evaluate the, the uh, uh, not only technology development, but also the business applications. And so you can really think of electrifications along various steps. I mean, we already have uh, battery APUs and mm -hmm. anti-idling type solutions. I think that's going to continue to be in high volume. We also have uh, electrification of accessories that will be coming in, in, a, in some years, uh, including um, you know, things that are today gear and belt driven. Uh, we can uh, power those differently. Uh, we will also have stop-start. You know, many of your cars have, have that feature today where you pull up to a stoplight and the engine shuts off. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, this is something that we can do also to save fuel, but also to meet the greenhouse gas requirements. Mm -hmm. there's, there's incentives for uh, credits for doing it that way. And then we get into the steps of hybrid, and we have a couple of hybrid vehicles that have been running in California under test conditions. And uh, they serve in terms of when you get less than 20 miles an hour uh, and you can go to a completely electric mode. Uh, so it, it, it has certain advantages, especially when you have 
uh, zero emission zones around the ports themselves or in, in, uh, in low noise conditions. Um, and then you have the internal combustion engine when you want to get up to speed and you go longer distances. Then we talk about battery electrics, which have uh, been most of the program today. Mm -hmm. We've talked about their applications and where we will see that rolling out. And then as you need to extend range, you will have to have some me mechanism, either fuel cell or, or uh, you know, other uh, maybe infrastructure, electrified infrastructure, in order to expand the range until batteries or mm -hmm. other means become technically available uh, to go more than uh, several hundred miles. You know, I do think it's interesting, you know, you, you compare commercial trucks to the passenger car market, and of course we've seen uh, a pretty, you know, healthy middle ground, middle step with uh, gasoline electric hybrids. Uh, but we don't see that nearly as much thus far in, in commercial trucking. You know, it seems that most of the effort, most of the attention is looking at jumping straight to full electric. Um, is that based on cost? Is that just, just looking at the complexity of having a diesel engine with all the complexity and, and after treatment systems and then you're adding a, a, you know, an EV you know, propulsion system on top of that? Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned a, perhaps a place for a hybrid, but uh, do you get the sense that that's going to be a pretty small drop and in, in for the most part the industry will move uh, straight to, to full electric? I wish I had the crystal ball to uh, answer you specifically around that. We are working with all of those technologies because uh, we're not convinced ourselves that uh, there will be entirely, you know, uh, across the battery electric, uh, across the board. One thing that uh, we have a little bit of experience now is what's called microhybrid, and that's part of it, electrifying the accessories, and um, uh, that can be another step, mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, that can, can suit both regional and long-haul applications and get your fuel economy. And that's really what customers right. are interested in is how do I reduce my operating costs in a dependable manner. Sure. Had another viewer question. This will get you back to the issue of your crystal ball. Ben Schultz with the Florida Trucking Association says, I would like to know in your opinion what percentage of vehicles will be operating electric by 2030? And then he says from 2030 to 2050. I would say, Ben, that's an excellent question, and uh, <laughs> nailing me down to any percentage, I might get in trouble. If um, we knew, we'd take, we'd find out and go to the casino and bet on it. Is that what would we be would, great what we too. Would do. But I think the question is is uh, worthwhile because how do you, as a fleet manager, prepare uh, your long-term plans, your capital plans, uh, and and begin to, to step your toe into this transition? You know, do you start to get a couple of vehicles and get some experience with it, and to see where it may fit? or do you wait until it matures a little bit more? I can tell you by um, our estimates is that we will need some percentage of trucks to be battery electric, not only to meet the greenhouse gas requirements, but also because of our corporate commitment to sustainable transport. Now, whatever that number is, uh, we are investing and we are preparing for that future. Uh, we are very much um, uh, having to do both in our part product plan right now. We have to invest in, in diesel fuel technology because we, we see that we can continue to improve that in the recent uh, Exceed program that Volvo launched. Talks about how do we get uh, aerodynamic improvement, uh, you know, fuel efficiency through the engine, turbo compounding, and, and automated transmission in the right package, the right specs for customers. So they can realize that today, as well as invest in, in technologies that may be some years off, but we need to do both. And uh, that's the balance that we're playing. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess what I would add is that, uh, you know, I certainly agree that diesel will be the, the primary fuel of trucking for the foreseeable future, especially in long haul. But it's, it's abundantly clear at this point that electric trucks will have their place. They will be part of the future. 
Uh, it's not just a, a fad, a passing fad that we'll all give up on in a couple years. Uh, it sure looks like the, the whole industry is, is kind of is mobilizing and preparing for this. Uh, you know, and the question really is just how fast and, and, and where. You know, I think we've identified some of the applications that make the most sense. Uh, well, that's probably where we see the, the, the earliest rollout and the largest numbers at first. And, uh, and, and then we, the industry can, can grow from there, and we'll, we'll have to see how, how quickly that happens. Certainly an exciting time, this transition. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to report on, I know. Yes. Uh, as of next month, I'll have 38 years in this industry. And I'm sure many of your viewers also have many years and have seen tremendous amount of changes. When I came in, uh, front brakes were not legally required. Air conditioning was a low volume. An option. Yeah, an option. Electrical system was, you know, radio with some uh, headlights. A yeah. CB player. Trucks were very simple back yeah. then. They were mm -hmm. very mechanical. Uh, but they don't do the job that we need to today, right? They, you can't get the mileage out of trucks. Mm -hmm. You can't get the productivity out of trucks uh, technology. And it's developed so much over time that um, I'm here in, in the end of 2018 talking about electric trucks around the corner. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes, and I'm excited about the changes to come. Do you wish you had another 38 years to stay in the industry to watch where it's going? <laughs> I, I, think, uh, I think I've had a, a lot of fun, and I'm not sure how many more years of fun I'm planning on. But, uh, yeah, it's a great industry to be a part of. Yeah. And people that have been in this position uh, like, like you folks and covered our industry so well, you know, I think we have a passion for it, right? We're doing something that's important. We, you know, trucking exclusively serves eight out of ten communities. We're part of the economy that keeps the country moving forward, and uh, we recognize our responsibility both in safety, in terms of environment, but also to keep the, the wheels turning. You know, and Keith, I wanted to pick up on one of the points you made earlier about you know, the opportunities to combine electromobility with some of the other big trends, vehicle connectivity, and uh, also automated driving. And of course, Volvo uh, recently showcased a, an example of that with its, its Vera concept. Uh, we were at uh, the IEA commercial vehicle show in, in Germany just a couple months back, and uh, Volvo uh, actually had that on display. You know, this is a, uh, an, an unmanned for uh, a tractor, you know, so, so there's a fifth wheel but no cab. It's, it's all electric, and it's, it's connected you know, uh, and, and monitored and, and managed uh, from, a, from afar. Uh, you know, and this is, this is a concept that could move uh, freight, you know, especially like high dense, you know, density lanes at low speeds. It's not, yes. it's not designed for uh, uh, highway operation, but in, in certain applications this might be an example of what the future might look like when you combine all of these. You know, is that sort of the way that you see this industry going? You, know, you mentioned how, how much trucks have changed in the time that you've been in this industry. Is, is that increasingly where we're heading? Uh, that was a, a great uh, challenge that we took on, is how do you uh, combine these technology trends and what would it look like going forward? Uh, let's say real clear that we see the need for the professional driver for many years to come, yeah. and, and we need professional drivers behind the wheel. There's many additional jobs that they perform in terms of the safety checks and working yep. with dispatching and, and all of the things that uh, drivers have. Uh, their knowledge of weather and conditions, the road team. I mean, we hold these, these folks up as the example of what professional driver really means. Um, and, and we took this engineering challenge to say, okay, if we stripped it down to a, a motor and wheels to, to haul a container or a trailer, what would it be, you know, in terms of its execution? And so we came up with this Vera concept to shuttle around a factory or in a port or, mm -hmm. you know, between some buildings and the like. Low speed, as you said, yep. you know. Uh, short distances. But what it, what it really tells us is that 
Um, this could be quite exciting, you know, when we allow the drivers to focus on what they do best, and then we say, where can equipment uh, just perform repetitive right. duties? Yep. Uh, how could we stretch the, to that extreme? Yep, I think, uh, you know, the future will have both truck drivers and automation. You know, it's, not, it's certainly not an either or. Exactly. Uh, yep. Keith and Seth, that seems like a very good place and a great conversation and a good place to wrap things up. We'd like to extend our thanks to Keith Brandis. He is with Volvo, Vice President for Product Planning, for joining us in studio today to share his 38 years of knowledge and insights. And, of course, if you missed any part of the show or would like to watch it again, our replay will be posted later today on our website at ttnews.com and later at liveonweb.ttnews.com. I'm Dan Ronan. On behalf of Seth and Keith, we appreciate you being here with us and watching the program, and happy holidays to everybody.